Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I am guest bailiff Jean Grey filling in for Jesse Thorne. This week, requesting an immediate ingestion. Matthew brings the case against his wife, Angie. One of their family rules is that they all remain at the dinner table until everyone is done eating. But Angie is a notorious slow eater. Matthew is constantly left entertaining their small children while she finishes her meal. He wants to minimize the time he's spending with screaming kids, but Angie thinks he needs to slow down. Who's right? Who's wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and presents an obscure cultural reference. One, eat only when you have a good appetite. Two, chew the food like pulp and drink that pulp. Do not swallow food. Three, drink all the liquids and liquid food sip by sip. Do not drink in gulps. And remember, nature will castigate those who don't masticate. <laughs> Guest bail of Jean Grey, please swear them in. Matthew and Angie, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God or whatever, even though you can't handle the truth. I do. I affirm that I speak the truth. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling despite the fact that he's wearing orange and it's very in right now? I do. I do. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Oh, you may be seated. Well, thank you very much, Jean. You're welcome. Uh, it's actually, very trendy. It's, it's shirt is it's a little, actually a little bit old. I was thinking about throwing it away. That's the whole deal. Retro, man. Maybe I got another season in it. So many seasons. Oh, boy. Thank oh, you very okay. much. All right. Well, nice to have you here again, Jean Grey, and nice to have you here, Matthew and Angie, for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can either of you name the piece of culture that I paraphrased when I entered the courtroom? I quoted it. I didn't change any words. Mm. I added a, I took something from a different context and put it in, but it's all the same person. I'm giving you more information than you need. Matthew, mm. why don't you go first? What's your guess? I have no idea, so I'll go with my pre-canned guess of something off the Cake or Death album. Whoa! I like what you're doing. I like Whoa. what you're doing. Whoa! All right. I'd like to. I have used masticate before. I'm gonna take a 25 minute break. Enjoy. Your, <laughs> have a good time, Gene. Oh man! So let's get into this case. Uh, <laughs> you are referring, of course, to the album "Cake or Death" by Gene Gray. Non-released. Uh, non-released. Only a few people know about it. Yeah. And Matthew, you are one of them. That is an incredible. Scary. How, how I do don't you, know how he got the lyrics. How'd you get that information? Yeah, but hold on a second. Matthew, who is this? There's this new invention called Google. Oh, oh all, right. all right. Well, uh, that's a very interesting and provocative guess, and I'm going to put it into the guess book right now. I'm, I'm writing it in here. You can hear it here at Argo Studios. And now, Angie, what is your guess? Without commenting on whether or not that guess was correct, what is your guess? My guess is the recently released cookbook, Run Fast, Cook Fast, Eat Slow, by the winner of the New York Marathon last year. Oh. Did you just have that at the, the, what? At the tip of your slow-eating tongue? Or was that something you had prepared in advance? No, I'd prepared it. Well, that's a good guess. Wow. Jean, do you, do you have a guess? Um, you don't have to guess. I always like guessing. Is it a... Well, he's known for just really thinking things out, thinking them through, and being very uh, uh, careful with his words. I'm going to go with Ray J? Ray Is J. that Ray J? Well, for the love of Ray J, that's a guess. Mm. I have a real guess. Oh, okay. What is your real guess? Julia Child. Julia Child. Two guesses from Jean Grey. I'll allow it. Mm -hmm. But all guesses are wrong. It's not Ray J. It was not Ray J. It was not Julia. It was not Jean Grey. Uh, nor was it the unnamed marathon winners who like to run fast and cook fast but eat slow. Although I think, Angie, you are closer than any of the other guesses oh, because was that was uh, Horace Fletcher. Horace Fletcher, mm. a famous dietary theoretician of the early 20th century. He lived from 1849 until he died in 1919. He was the pioneering author of Fletcherism, What Is It and How I Became Young at 60. He wrote a number of books, became a very famous sort of early food celebrity championing the mm -hmm. health benefits of chewing a lot. And it's impossible that he wrote a lot of books. I mean, How did he get the time? <laughs> he wrote a number of books on essentially this one subject, which was chew each bite 100 times. 
Oh, that's too many times. This was incredibly popular at the time. The idea was that we were all misdigesting our food because we weren't chewing enough. So you're supposed to chew your food into a slurry. Such that you wouldn't even have to swallow it. It would just... It just slide down your Slide down your throat. It just became a part of you. And this was called Fletcherizing. And it was very popular in the early 20th century as an idea for how you could eat more healthfully. Now, that is gross. That is gross. And trust me, I've tried it because uh, someone who's very close to me in my life is named Fletcher. So Mm -hmm, I've been tuned mm -hmm. into this idea for a long time. We've both tried it. It's really gross. Yeah, but it's terrible. He also suggested things that I think are valuable, which is don't eat unless you're really hungry. That's and a good one. He also would say don't eat when you're sad or mad. Like this was in the early 20th Calm century. Calm down, Fletcher. <laughs> <laughs> take it down. Take it down a notch. <laughs> and he also said you should know what's in your food. You should be conscious Very of the food fair. that you're eating. And he also, by the way, his most famous demonstration that brought him to attention was when he was 58. Uh, back in 1907, he went to Yale University, my alma mater. Mm-hmm. It's a four-year accredited college in Southern Connecticut. And he never ch- heard of he it. He challenged the football team to a variety of physical tests, and because he had been chewing his food so much, he bested them all. <laughs> Specifically, he claimed to lift 300 pounds dead weight 350 times with his right calf. I don't think that happened. Angie, you chew your food slow. Lee. Maybe. How many times do you chew a bite of food, Angie? A hundred times or less? I'm going to go with less, but this idea really sounds pretty enthralling to me. Right. This is why I chose this piece, because I thought you might already know about Fletcherizing. I don't. So Matthew brings the case against you because he claims that you eat too slowly. Where do we find you guys in the world? We live in Golden, Colorado. We're currently in Denver right now. Oh, the Mile High City. Very high. Yeah. yeah. For many reasons. The city with the spookiest airport in the United States. Yep. Well, Colorado is great. And uh, Matthew, explain to, uh, what exactly is the problem that Angie has, in your opinion, with regard to eating speed. So it's a well-known fact she eats slowly. And, uh, I will I determine that. what is a well-known fact in this courtroom. <laughs> I mean, I won't dispute this, Judge. Oh, okay. All well, right. then it's oh. a well-known fact. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I knew that going into the marriage. Uh, I knew that for years before uh, we had children uh, where the the issue becomes is when we have a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old and where I struggle is when one or both of the children are complaining or screaming as they want to do. Angie is sitting there slowly chewing away, doing I don't know what while... One of the child. Well, I think you know is, what she's chewing. Was there something else? <laughs> yes, she's chewing. chewing. <laughs> it's true. I sometimes I do study her and just ha- I trying to figure out why this is taking so long. And I know that you did some deep study on this because the evidence you provided <laughs> it, that we'll get to evidence. in a moment it is meticulous to the point of madness. Mm-hmm. But all right, we'll get to the evidence <laughs> in a moment. And so when you're having dinner, do you, you you try to have dinner together as a family, even with that three year old and one and a half year old. Yep. So I would probably say almost every single night we're eating uh, dinner together as a family. I think wow. it's it's important for us. Uh, even before we had kids, that was a, a rule for Angie and I. Uh, uh, just to, we think it's good for the relationship. Um, and so, as you mentioned at the beginning, we have a rule that everyone stays at the table until everyone else is done. So Ooh. we're just waiting there for Angie to finish chewing. And how long, I mean, I know I know you have a lot of data to present, but just uh, thumbnail it for us. Like, how long are you stuck there waiting for her to finish chewing? I mean, while a child is screaming, it feels like an eternity. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, okay, Einstein, I know time is relative. <laughs> <laughs> but are we talking about five minutes, 25 minutes? What would be, I mean, you've got the data. Tell me, give me a, a mean, give me an av. So on our 50% median here, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Angie takes about 50% longer than the rest of the 50% family. 50% longer. Wow. That's Angie. Do What's you, that in real minutes? Yeah. Okay. Good question, Angie. Mm. I'll allow it. What's that in real minutes? It's about five minutes. Yeah. But of course, <laughs> at Colorado elevation, that's a little bit longer, right? Because it's, uh, the atmosphere it's 72 is 72 hours. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> 
Who cooks this food? I do. Angie does. Mo- most nights. Matthew will probably do it on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jean Grey is making a serious note. I am making note. a note of yeah. that. <laughs> and what do you like to cook, Angie? Well, here, you know what? Let's get specific. We are speaking to you on a Wednesday. What did you have for dinner last night? Last night we had leftovers as we're having a lot because we're trying to get out of town this weekend. So we had, um, it was a, a noodle dish, kind mm-hmm. of an Asian noodle dish. Were those leftovers from the previous evening? Um, over the weekend, I think. Okay. What's your favorite thing to cook? Anything quick. One pot meals. Right. You want to cook fast, but eat slow. Exactly. In the last week, we had Indian one night. Oh, we nice. had a like a one pot um, Mexican thing that Matthew cooked over the weekend. We had the, the noodles. We had a Delightful. lettuce wrap. How successful is sitting down at dinner with a one and a half year old and a, is it a two year old or a three year old? A three year old. It's very yeah, ambitious. I mean, that's rough. Like, will they sit... <laughs> I mean, come on, you guys. What's happening? The three-year-old does know that that's our rule, that we all stay at the dinner table until everyone's done. And sometimes she eats, sometimes she doesn't. That's her choice either way. And the one-and-a-half-year-old is knock on wood, but she's uh, stopped throwing food on the floor lately. Congratulations. And when you are eating slowly, is it... um are you just following your own pace or are you just really making a meal out of it as you were as that three-year-old is like, I want to go and you just lean over and chew slowly right slow. in her face. Like, <laughs> One kernel at a time. Yet. Um, yeah, I'd say I'm not the parent that mocks our children probably. Okay. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see how many parents are there by process of elimination. <laughs> And a standard deviation of 50% more likely to be uh, Matthew is the parent who mocks the children. Yeah, you might say that. Uh, Why do you eat so slow? You acknowledge that you eat slow. What's going on? I don't have an explanation for it. It's been a lifelong thing. Um, Frequently, I would be, you know, my family wouldn't have this rule growing up. So I would be the last one sitting all alone at the dinner table. Oh, so this is vengeance upon your family. (laughs) You are mad for being left alone and you are visiting your anger upon your children. Maybe subconsciously, I suppose. So was there an event specifically that made you, uh, prompted you to send in this dispute, Matthew? Uh, I think it was our youngest child. She was, uh, I think she was probably teething at the time. And so it seemed just like every single night I was sitting there holding the screaming child while Angie slowly sat there, somehow not minding, but I'm just wanting to claw my eyes out while I'm holding the screaming child. And what was Angie's demeanor as you were holding the screaming child? Was she staring into the middle distance? Was she attempting to have a conversation? Was she quiet? Was she chatty? Describe for me. She was her normal self. Uh, She's not super chatty, uh, but just engaging with the children. Only time it would be different would be after I make a snide remark. She would rightfully so, I think. um, She would have a chew slowdown out of protest. (laughs) A protest chew, yeah. A chew stoppage? Yeah. (laughs) What kind of snide remark are you making, Matthew? It's usually in response to our three-year-old saying, uh, can I get up now or can I leave the table? And I would just make a remark. We're waiting on mommy to finish chewing. Oh, man. Oh, throw her under the bus. (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a quick recess and we'll hear more from Matthew and Angie when we come back. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
Topics You'd Never Expect to Be, the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Court is back in session. Let's get back to the courtroom for more justice. Okay, you sent in a bunch of evidence. So let's take a look at it. And of course, <laughs> all this evidence is going to be available for your review, uh, listener, uh, at the Judge John Hodgman page at MaximumFun.org. And what visual evidence we may share on Instagram will also be available on our Instagram account, which is Instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman. Uh, the first piece of evidence that you have sent in is a <laughs> <laughs> a Google spreadsheet detailing our dinner finishing times for 23 days. Thank you for compiling all of this data. I wonder, <laughs> were you compiling this data anyway, or has it just taken us 23 days to, <laughs> to hear your case? I do make a lot of spreadsheets, even in my own personal life, but this was not one I had uh, just randomly collecting oh so you've time. been at le- waiting at least 23 days justice delayed is justice denied i apologize mm-hmm. that your family has lived in this slow chew limbo for so long this is an incredible uh dare say maniacal spreadsheet <laughs> i have not seen the spreadsheet have you not no oh, here i just um, want to believe i'm going to turn my computer around so that you can see it oh my so, oh my yeah so there's a box plot there <laughs> Which I don't even know. Like, it's been a while. What do you do for a living? Are you a statistician? No, I work in software product management. And so part of that I do uh, I uh, okay, some gotcha. data analysis. So what we have here are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. So there's a box plot that is a graph of the average times taken per meal in seconds. Yes, that's correct. Sarah, Matthew, Ava, and Angie, where Sarah and Ava are your children, I presume. Yeah, Sarah is the three-year-old and Ava is the one-and-a-half-year-old. Right. So what is being described here in this box plot? So this is really describing the range of finish time. So focusing on the box portion, the left hand of the box is describing the 25th percentile, so 25% of the data falls below this. The strong middle line is the median, so 50% of the data falls beneath that. Mm -hmm. And then that upper line is the 75th percentile, so 75% of the data falls beneath that. Then you have your outliers to the sides as well. To a layperson, to a non-box plot pro, it would seem that the average finishing times, both in the median and the 75th percentile, Sarah takes a little bit longer than Angie. Am I misreading this graph, sir? Has Sarah inherited the slow chew gene? I don't know if it's slow chew or more of a, I don't want to eat. So we're sitting there cajoling her into actually taking a bite of food. Uh, so when she does eat, it's fairly quick. But a lot of the time she's just choosing not to eat. Gene, you can't see this data, but I'm sure it'll be self-explanatory mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when I tell you that the mean finishing time for Angie is 715.435 seconds with a standard deviation of two. Oh, I didn't know we were doing this in seconds? Yeah. Oh. Whereas mean finishing time for Sarah, the daughter, is 741 seconds. I can't, I'm not translating this. With a standard deviation of 280.077. Right. So to me, it seems like Sarah is taking longer. Your evidence is not working for you, sir. It's working against you. Hmm. What am I misreading here in your spreadsheet? Uh, you know, I think that's a totally valid point. Uh, for looking at it as a whole. The main thing that I think sticks out to me to the data is it's not really an every single night we're dealing with uh, screaming or complaining in currents. It's, uh, thankfully, our children are pretty good. Uh, but when you look at uh, in the percentiles portion, if you look at that 10th percentile, that's really where the issue comes in because our one-and-a-half-year-old sit down and she's teething or whatever, just in a bad mood. So she'll pretty much instantly say she's done uh, within a minute or so. Um, So it's in those 10% of the times that Angie's taking more than twice as long as uh, Ava in those instances. Let's go to some more subjective data, specifically a photograph that you have sent in of a half or more or less. I mean, I don't, I want to be really specific with my numbers now. I would say this is a... A 0.67 finished Mm -hmm. piece of corn on the cob uh, with the caption, 
a picture of the maddening way Angie eats her corn. I see nothing maddening here, sir. It's simply a cornicob that is 0.67 done. And also, by the way, it looks like a beautiful little uh, noodle salad uh, on the plate in the depth of field down there. It looks good. And a lovely plate. Yeah, a lovely plate. And I like your corn holders, the little Mm -hmm. spikies Mm -hmm. that you've got in on the end of the corn. Mm -hmm. How is this maddening to you, sir? So this corn, you might have to zoom in a little bit on the corn, but if you look at the kernels carefully, you'll notice- How dare you? You think I haven't zoomed in on this corn? I zoomed in while I was on the way over here. Yeah, I'm looking at all this evidence extremely carefully. I apologize. I'm looking at this like Blade Runner style. I put it into a thing. I'm like quadrant 352562 enhanced. And it goes, and that's how I discovered those snake scales on the corn. For those of our listeners who might check this out on Instagram or Judge John Hodgman at MaximumFun.org, what should we be looking for to see the madness? So you'll notice no single kernel of corn is disturbed through her eating. So she eats perfectly, I believe, four rows of corn in each bite, taking great care to not uh, accidentally touch the next row of corn. So this evidence is showing it's not that she's chewing for her health. It's taking this excessive amount of... It's the preservation of the kernels surrounding the already eaten... Right. She, so each very kernel, there's no kernel that has been... There's no overlap right. of kernel damage. Right. I mean, you say uh, maddening. I say attention to detail. <laughs> <laughs> it's an excessive attention to detail. When you grew up, Matthew, what was your family dinner table ritual like? Was it everyone sits at the table? Was it we all watch Benny Hill together with the salads in our laps? What was it? Now, I believe most nights we sat at the table and ate dinner together. Um, mm-hmm. That all being said, I know sometimes I was actually the slow eater, and so I got the timer set on me a decent number of times in my childhood. Of I had to finish before the timer, uh, but that was more of I was just Matthew. messing around. Matthew, Matthew, I feel like we're really glossing over this uh, this timer that you brought up <laughs> just now. What, do you mean just a, a, a general timer? Ti- or an actual physical timer? Yeah, my mom would set the timer on the stove. Wow. So how much time would she give you to finish when she thought you were over time? I was not collecting spreadsheets of data back then, um, so I, I don't oh, know. Most I people definitely... can remember trauma. In your heart. In <laughs> yeah. your heart. What does is, what is your heart say? Roughly. Give me a ballpark. Like, you have five minutes to finish that food? Yeah, I would guess she would give me five to ten minutes is, is what huh. I guess. And I remember sitting at the table by myself there. Were you an only child? Nope, I have uh, one older brother. You guys are both bringing a lot wow. to the table, wow. literally and figuratively here. Yeah, I feel like there's um, a lot of information in everyone's past that leads up to these moments. Yeah, before we dig back into the past, Angie, how do you feel about the data Matthew has meticulously and weirdly compiled regarding your eating process? I mean, I, I guess I, I do have some concerns with it, specifically July 20th, I finished first of the four of us, <laughs> and that data got mysteriously corrupted. Oh! <laughs> so it's not included. Where is July 20th on your Where on your spreadsheet, this? Matthew? He's, he said it. he had an error in his recording. Mm. What were you having that evening on the evening of July uh, 20th? I think that was a, a wrap night, some sort of burrito or, or wraps. All right. And then the very next week, we all finished at the same time, and also the data was lost. Oh, my. Interesting. But other than that, just the act of recording, it just made me feel so rushed and um, stressed out during. Yeah, it was really stressful. And it wasn't a good feeling. I just want to go back to my normal pace. You mean that when you were sitting down at the table and Matthew had his data and he had a little (laughs) stopwatch there (laughs) and he had his, his. And a magnifying glass for your corn. His table of dates and times, you felt a little rushed? Just barely. It was weird. Um, another question. When you guys are, are not eating with the kids or if you're if it's just the two of you, if you're going out to eat, is it the same situation or, or is it, you know, take your time or going out to eat with friends if that happens at all? I mean, I definitely am the last one done, but mm-hmm. Matthew can just jabber on about something rather than get stressed about if the kids are behaving at the table instead. Mm-hmm. Is Matthew a generally a patient person or does he want is he kind of a go, go, go type? He's looking at me waiting for my answer. 
I'd say he's generally pretty patient. He's definitely grown in patience in our relationship to the point where he is a patient person now. Angie, I feel you. (laughs) How long have you guys been married? 11 years this uh, past Sunday. Oh, happy anniversary. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, And Angie, you're home with the kids during the day. Is that right? Is that your job right now? It is. Yeah. And so when it's just the three of you together... And uh, Matthew's not there with his stopwatch. How do you guys uh, enjoy a lunch or a breakfast or a snack? I am typically the first one done at both breakfast and lunch. The girls, I think this is pretty common for children. They eat a huge breakfast, a regular lunch, and a almost non-existent dinner. So breakfast and lunch, they're pretty hungry, and, and they will eat um, for a long time. And I eat a regular adult pace, I feel. And you sit down at a table and like have formal lunch and formal breakfast? Breakfast, I usually stand at the counter behind them. Right. So I can empty the dishwasher or something Mm -hmm. um, while they're finishing. But lunch, we usually all sit down together. Yes. Wow. That is some dedication, I have to say. When my kids were one and a half and three, I would just, you know, throw a piece of pizza in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Of the room? Yeah. Make them fight for it. Go get it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See what happens. Generally speaking, Jean Grey, did your mom scheme to have you all sit down at the table and have dinner together? Did that work? Did that happen? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And for breakfast and then probably not lunches just because it was busy and having, you know, us coming from all places. And And you're living different lives probably a little bit, right? And then dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a thing, although it's just the two of us, it's definitely a, hey, we're sitting down to have dinner and I'll, and like you and your husband Quella? yes and um or whoever is like coming over and a definite like when the food hits the table get to the table well of course if someone's coming yeah. over but then, just for then us. you have to act like a human being but, but if just it's just you, well. if it's just you guys yeah you'll sit down and just wow mm-hmm. my goodness no time I grew up a different way yeah I'll tell you more about that after the verdict okay. Matthew have you tried giving Angie a head start Oh, I do pretty much every night. So I uh, I dish my food up last. I feed the dog. So the times in my glorious spreadsheet are from when I sit down at the table. Uh-huh. So at that point, the children and Angie have generally been eating for uh, a couple minutes there. They've been at it for a while. Yeah. And you're coming late to the table, which is ruder, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Angie gave a knowing mm-hmm. laugh. Knowing laugh. When Matthew was a less patient person, how would his impatience manifest itself, Angie? Oh, gosh, you're putting me on the spot here. I think I think he just, in general, he's very time sensitive, so he's always ready to get to the next thing. Right. Do you feel that you guys can enjoy this dinner together? Or is it just something for Matthew to get past in order to get to the next thing? I think in the future... Putting in the time right now of everyone staying at the table will pay off for us. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's we've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. It's not the most pleasant experience at the table, but there are some nights where we have fun and we are able to talk about our day, and it is pleasant. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. And is there anything else that I need to know, Matthew, about Angie's eating habits? Like, does she make gross mouth sounds? <laughs> yes. Yes, she does. Oh, <laughs> oh no. May I say, sir, that was a hard thing to admit on a public podcast. I appreciate that you took your fake oath of honesty seriously, and I appreciate your openness in saying, yes, my wife makes mouth sounds while she eats. Tell me more. And Matthew, do you have misophonia? I don't have misophonia. Uh, uh, I've never really noticed it with anyone other than Angie. Uh, She claims it's... Uh, she claims it's she has uh, she can jump in here. She has large molars, and as a result, when she was a child, they removed one. Uh, so she has kind of a, a gap in the back. So um, when she chews, there's a lot of sound there. And sometimes when it's just the two of us, I just don't know how so much sound is coming from her mouth. Matthew, can you describe <laughs> how Angie is looking at you right now as you <laughs> just go ahead and talk about her large molar problem as a child? you describe your wife's face? She's smiling and looking at me right now. <laughs> Angie, you know, this is more information than I expected mm. coming out of 
Mm. And I hate to tell you that it really does raise Matthew in this court's estimation that he is willing to be so open with us. But how do you feel about the secret of your big molars being revealed to my podcast audience? I mean, my parents spent thousands of dollars on dental work, so I guess it's this is where we ended up. But I have nice straight teeth, and they all fit in my mouth, so I, that's the best we can do. Do you challenge the fact that your molar alterations have made for strange sounds in your chewing? No one else in my life has ever mentioned this, so mm-hmm. I think it's just we've spent a lot of time together. Matthew, if I were to rule in your favor, how would you want me to rule? Oh, I thought a lot about this question. I think in an ideal world that I don't know. <laughs> I thought a lot realistic. about this question, and <laughs> I have a flow chart I'd like to show you. <laughs> do you have Do you have PowerPoint? <laughs> Go on. I do a lot of PowerPoint in my work. I'm I made sure you one, do. Made a couple today, actually. Oh. Um, I mean, do ideal you have a world. Spreadsheet would... of all your powerpoints. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Um, if she could go some sort of uh, aggressive food eating competition training, like uh, I can't remember that <laughs> Japanese guy. I know that's not going to happen. So I think ideally if the children are screaming or crying, if she could just finish and come back to her dinner later. just She says she's done and then comes back and actually finishes only in those instances that sh- uh, the children are, are fussing about. Takeru Kobayashi. That's who you're referring you. to. Yeah. Japanese competitive eater. Mm-hmm. Eight Guinness World Records for eating hot dogs. <laughs> so she sets her meal aside to put an official close on family meal. And later on, once the kids are in bed. Revisits. Yeah. Once the kids are in cold, bed. Cold, cold corn. Yeah. Right. She like maybe at two o'clock in the morning when you're yeah. asleep. She bed can, corn. She can focus on one kernel one. every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's perfectly eaten. Yeah. Angie, what would you have me order if uh, I were to order in your favor? Um, just that you you may have caught on that Matthews goes to the 10th degree on everything. So mm-hmm. just that he may never comment on any attribute of how I eat again or teach our children to do so. So this includes the pace, the sound, the quantity, and the blandness of my food. Oh, my. I'm trying to be comprehensive. What's the blandness comment? Oh, I come from uh, Northern European folk, and Matthew comes from Southern European, so he likes things much spicier than me. Oh, I see. Uh, So, Angie, let me make sure I understand. You want me to prohibit comments on speed, style, sound, and seasoning, the four S's? (laughs) Yeah, those four S's, right? Speed, style, Mm -hmm. sound, and seasoning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right, right. Very good. I'd also like to switch places at the dinner table so Matthew is closer to the child that needs the most help. Mm. Oh, you guys sit in the same spots all the time? Yeah. So how has that been a problem? Is that a separate problem or is that a problem? Oh, no, it's mixed in because part of the time when I'm supposed to be eating my own dinner, I'm also helping the children. Oh. 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 I thought he was helping the children by making snide remarks. (laughs) I have an objection to this one. (laughs) How would you say Angie is helping with the children versus how you are helping with the children? So my issue with this one is uh, I distinctly remember during the data collection one night, I did not put it in the notes. Uh, I knew one of uh, the younger child was going to be fussing that night and I offered to switch positions and she explicitly said no. Uh, so calling that out as a problem makes it sound like I'm unwilling to be helping out there uh, when there's instances where I have tried to help out feeding the children. Are you OK with switching seats then? Yeah. Yep. All right. Nolo contundere there. And effectively, that happens a lot of the nights. A anyway. lot of you are going to write in that I used nolo contundere wrong. Don't do it. I know I did it wrong. I'll figure it out myself. Remember how I looked up uh, uh, Kobayashi? Uh, Kobayashi? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm bettering myself every time. And if I do something wrong or I forget something, I'll look it up. I don't need you guys to write me. I'm sorry, Matthew. I was just pre complaining <laughs> to the listener. <laughs> uh, sorry. So you were saying? I was saying effectively that that swapping happens a lot of nights anyway, Uh, really with the youngest. uh, If she is crying, I might bring her over to my lap and then try to feed her from my lap. So that kind of ends up happening anyway. I think I've heard everything I need to in order to make my decision. I am going to go sit in a vat of hot dogs that I've kept safe from competitive hot dog eater Kobayashi. Hmm. Consider my verdict and I'll be back in a moment with my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom and places himself in a vat of hot dogs. 
Matthew, Angie, how are you guys feeling? Angie, how do you feel your case went? I think the judge is a reasonable man who sees the the point of eating healthfully mm-hmm. and eating slowly as part of that. And I think he'll uh, back me in this case. Okay. Matthew, how do you feel? I mean, coming into this case, I didn't feel too strongly about, I know the, the court sometimes rules against weird dads or and the husbands and whatnot, so it didn't feel super great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel pretty good given that Angie's main defense is she didn't like the data. And when people don't like the data, they just call it all into question. So uh, Fake news. when that's her only defense, I, I feel pretty good. Okay. Well, I actually have a lot of feelings and can relate to a lot of things. So I'm just going to talk over uh, Judge John Hodgman when he gets back. And um, we'll see what he has to say about this when he uh, comes back. And we come back in just a moment. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad. And I got one for my mother-in-law. And it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and presents his verdict. Uh, You may be seated. Uh, First of all, Matthew, I overheard from my vat of hot dogs in my chambers that you were suggesting that uh, Angie's defense is simply to claim that the data itself is fake news, it is corrupt. But it is, dude. Your data is corrupt. The two nights that you don't even record in this thing... When Angie finished first, how did that happen? Seems sus. I don't know what to trust in this spreadsheet anymore. It is not comprehensive, so I'm throwing it out. Oh, my. 
mostly because I don't understand what a box plot is. <laughs> but I will acknowledge, as both parties acknowledge, that the basic problem is there, which is that Angie finishes more slowly, on average, than the rest of her family. Now, two members of her family are little kids. I'm telling you, Jean Grey, I did not grow up in a household. I was just me and my mom mm-hmm. and my dad. It's just the three of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a few dinners around the table. And certainly if we had company, we would mm-hmm. sit around the table. But I don't I don't remember what was going on with me when I was two years old. Kids at the table are hard. That's they're, they're hard. kids. That's hard. They're kids. Know? It's difficult. I have two realms of experience here. One was as a young person, at least, once I was fully conscious of being a human being and mm-hmm. I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, uh, certainly into 13, by the time I was 12 or 13, you know, we, we had all given up yeah. <laughs> on being a family. As an only child, I was a weirdly precocious. My parents wanted to move on with their lives. We just ate food out of our laps watching television together mm-hmm. every night. There was mm-hmm. no sitting down at the table. And then when we would go out to dinner, I would always have the walk away option. Yeah. Which was it's a great option. It was a great, yeah. Like we'd go out to the Valley Steakhouse on Route 9, and uh, I'd bring a comic book and some cigarettes. Yeah, some cigarettes. <laughs> and after I finished my food, I would be allowed to go and sit in the telephone booth and read my comic book mm-hmm. while they had a nice time together. That seems civilized to me. Yeah. The other realm of experience I have in this is as a parent. I feel a mixture of astonishment and admiration and confusion mm-hmm. as to what you guys are doing. Now, I, this sounds very judgmental. It's a judgy podcast. I apologize. It's right there in the title. It's right there in the title. You had to know that this was coming. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think the idea of having family meals um, with a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, that's incredibly ambitious. Yeah. Because they're barely human. They just got here. On the one hand, I want to say, let them run free. You know, make them do a good job. And then when they're done, let them get out of there. And then you guys can enjoy each other's company a little bit. Yeah. But on the other hand, I also know that if you keep this up, as you do, they will get it. The thing that I think of is my friend... Um, Sean Nelson, who uh, is the uh, a writer and musician in Seattle. He was the lead singer of the band Harvey Danger, mm-hmm. uh, the, the song Flagpole Sitter. You remember that one from the 90s? Sure. Uh, incredible singer, incredible songwriter, wonderful guy. And he told us once about how his parents made him sit at the table until he was done. And if he wasn't done, they would force him to sit there for hours. And he remembers... Falling asleep with his head on the table several nights. And I know, Angie, that you were left alone at the table as a slow eater. And I know, Matthew, that you had a different uh, stimulus. You were shamed for being a slow eater. These are things that you remember. And... Maybe this is just me justifying the really slapdash job I've done as a parent <laughs> to get my kids to sit down regularly for dinner. But I have to say that if maybe there isn't something, it might be a little better to just go a little easier on this idea. It's hard for this court to avoid the suspicion that Angie is visiting the sins of her parents upon her children by making them sit around with her Mm -hmm. when her own family wouldn't before. Mm -hmm. And that Matthew is visiting the sins of his mom upon his wife by wanting to put a timer on her just as it Mm -hmm. was done on him. I will say this. Obviously, your intentions are incredibly good. You want to create a family dinner where you guys can share with each other and you're having some success at it. And I think with more discipline than I've been able to put into the raising of my own children, you'll have more and more success over time as you lay down reasonable expectations for the time that you all are there together as a family. But I think this is not a ruling. This is a thing for you to consider that maybe ease up on the data collection. (laughs) (laughs) Passive or, in your case, Matthew, active. Mealtime can be an incredibly nourishing time 
for a family or it can be an extremely stressful, stressful time, time for a family. And what you want your kids to remember is not my parents made me sit at the table while mama ate each kernel of corn and have that be the story. You want them to remember having a good time at the table. So, you know, it's your life. It's your family. You can make whatever adjustments you want to make or zero adjustments at all. But I would suggest that you consider easing up a little in terms of both how long the kids have to sit there and just being a little bit more flexy-flexy. Uh, and don't count the kernels of corn so carefully. And Matthew. if I may interject Please. very, very, yeah. very quickly. Um, yeah, I think it, it because it translates to not only uh, shaping how you, you know, think down of, of eating dinner, but it just translates to your relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we should all try to have the most healthy relationship with food that we can. It kind of sticks with you. Yeah. So, you know, whatever you can do uh, to set standards, but also be light, be light about it, yeah. you know, to not make the dinner time a chore. And kids have a threshold that is shorter than most adults. It's very short. I think you set reasonable expectations. I think you guys are killing it so far. Mm -hmm. But what you need to do in order to make sure that it's fun for everybody is go easy, not only on the kids, but also on each other. Yeah. You know, Angie, slow eating is the worst thing in the world. I'll be honest. There is a slow eater in my extended family. Mm -hmm. And it is hard not to wonder what the heck is going on mm -hmm. as we adults are sitting there politely waiting for this person. I don't know what's happening. It does feel, you know, it sometimes feels as an act of aggression, mm -hmm. you know, and especially if you're a kid waiting to get out of it and mama's yeah. just like, chew, 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 <laughs> chew, chew, chew. At the same time, Angie, I, I want to respect the fact that you don't wolf your food like you the monster it? Matthew that you are married to, who's got to get on to the next thing. <laughs> Got to make those spreadsheets. Yeah, you got to Fletcherize that food. You got to enjoy yeah. it. I love the way you eat corn. That's it's incredible. beautiful. It's great. It is a work of art. But you also have to make some acknowledgement that everyone's going at a different pace. And a dinner is like theater. You know when the show's over. Mm -hmm. And there's little point in extending it past its natural life. It's reasonable to say to the kids, you got to stay a little bit longer and then call it a day. Yeah. But in order to make it the most enjoyable it can, given the age of your kids, you guys have to look at each other and silently understand, like, uh, it's done now. We got to move on with our evening. And that may not always be as soon as you want it to be, uh, Matthew, or as late as you would like it to be, Angie. But of course, marriage is all about everyone being unhappy. So, <laughs> so I would definitely say, consider please putting down the actual or figurative stopwatches. Um, and don't let this become a point of contention. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But since it is a point of contention, I have to rule in someone's favor. I am going to have to say there are two parts to this. One, Angie should eat at the pace that she likes, but she has to understand that when dinner is over for everyone else, she can't hold them hostage to the table. Mm -hmm. If you're going slow, Angie... You know, Matthew, be polite, stick around, but you got to let those kids loose. Maybe find a way to let them loose so that they can just play on the floor while you guys finish and have some time together or something else. And then I also have to rule, though, no way, Matthew, can you be making comments about your wife to your kids? <laughs> that is so, so off limits, <laughs> my man. You can't be talking about how bland her food is. You can't be talking about how slow she chews. And no matter how weird she eats her corn, your job is to be on the same side as your wife in the theater of dinner as it is Angie's job to be on your side. The communication between you about this has to be mutual and to a certain degree silent and supportive. So I'm kind of finding half in Angie's favor. You can't make comments at the table like that, Matthew. I'm um, also finding half in a separate count I'm finding in Matthew's favor, which is that Angie, when Matthew gives you that look, like it's really, we got to wrap this up. You may have to be like, I'll get back to this corn. You look down at that corn on the cob and you're like, I will see you later. <laughs> this is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. 
Well, Angie, Matthew, how you feeling? Uh, I know he said it's half and half, but I feel this is a, a solid win for me. I get to eat at my own pace and <laughs> uh, not be made fun of for it. So it sounds great. Okay, Matthew. I also am claiming this victory. I, I this knew is I fantastic. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't be making those snide remarks, so um, just reinforcing that. But I did hear that Angie needs to sometimes uh, put a pause on it. I feel like um, we got to a really healthy place here today, and I'm really proud of everyone. Uh, Matthew, Angie, thank you so much for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm glad everyone won today. That is another case in the books. Before we dispense some swift justice, we want to thank Carol Sanchez for naming this week's episode, requesting an immediate ingestion. If you'd like to name a future episode like Judge John Hodgman on Facebook, we regularly put out a call for submissions. Follow us on Twitter at Gene Greasy and at Hodgman. Hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO, and check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss this episode. One more social media plug. Mm-hmm. The Judge John Hodgman account on Instagram, because I forgot to mention that Angie sent in some evidence that we will post on that. Fantastic. Uh, that is, and it is a photo of, uh, I believe, Matthew with uh, four D batteries in his mouth. Mickey Ficky D batteries. Check it out. Uh, this week's episode was recorded by Tyler Hayden at Rocky Mountain Recordings in Denver, Colorado, and by... Ivan Kurayev at Argo Studios in New York City. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Now let's get to Swift Justice, where we answer your small disputes with a quick judgment. Pushy M asks, should we save the twisty ties and plastic tab bag fasteners from store-bought bread to reuse? I say yes. Husband says, why bother? I have never kept one of those in my life. I find them to be garbage immediately. That said, there's no reason not to keep those things. It's not a burden upon your husband if you keep them and try to reuse them. What I would suggest is hoard them in a little <laughs> in a little cache somewhere out of the way and use them to make a little creepy doll of your husband. I was going to say, you can make great dolls. Exactly. All right. I think that's it. Is that it? That's it. Oh, that's about it for this week's episode. Submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO or email Hodgman at MaximumFun.org. No case is too small. Clearly. No case. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.